Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is, it's kind of about everything. It's about trends, because we got a great guest today. As as you all know, the main triangle of what a law firm business is about has to do with acquiring new clients. That's one leg of the triangle. The second leg is producing the results that you promised to the new clients. And then the third leg, of course, is achieving the business and professional results for the owners. Since this is the first show of the year, we're going we're gonna to get a little meta about it. We're going to talk about a variety of topics um, and get a little predicty uh, about what trends have shown us about what has happening, what we should expect, because my guest today is Chad Burton. And Chad is the co-founder of Modern Law Practice. And the episode is 2022, What's Coming? So I'm pleased to introduce my guest, Chad Burton. He is, as I said, the co-founder of Modern Law Practice and CEO of Curo Legal. He has been actively engaged in building current and the future of legal services throughout his career via his work in building legal technology, creating the ABA Blueprint, which is an AI-driven interface to help attorneys select the best technology for their firms, and developing a new law business model. Um, with new law, you know, in quotes, obviously he's not changing the laws to new laws, but the business model is the new law firm, new law business model. Chad serves on the ABA Standing Committee on the Delivery of Legal Services. He's on the board of directors for the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium, which is really fascinating stuff. Chad previously served also on the governing boards for the ABA Center for Innovation, the ABA Law Practice Divisions Council, and as chair of the Division's Futures Initiative. Chad's a regular speaker around the country on topics related to legal technology, virtual law practice, and the future of the legal profession. Uh, He's been quoted and published in the ABA Journal, in The Atlantic, in Entrepreneur Magazine, Um, and Chad was also named to to the Fast Case 50 list of global legal innovators, and he's received an award by American Lawyer Media for the most innovative use of technology for a firm. So I think that used up the whole show uh, for Uh, the the credentials. So thank you all very much for coming. We really appreciate (laughs) it. Um, Bios are the worst. (laughs) I know, but I, I I really think actually, and I usually am shorter, Chad, to be honest, but in this case, I think it's just important because we're going to be talking about, you know, it's sort of the New Year's tradition for a lot of programs, a lot of shows, a lot of our uh, newspapers and magazines. And I think the credibility of the predictor is important. And now I'm going to list my credentials, so we'll take the rest of the yes. show doing that. Perfect. No, we'll, Let's hear the, it. The, the audience knows me. <laughs> Um, I'm Christopher Anderson. I'm your host. Uh, so, Chad, well, first of all, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And just just so the audience can continue to get to know you a little bit, I mentioned at the very top of it that you're the co-founder of Modern Law Practice. Can you tell folks a little bit about what that business is and why you founded it? Sure. So with Modern Law Practice, we work with primarily smaller law firms across the U.S., uh, in a couple of different capacities. One in a effectively a consulting capacity, helping law firm owners grow their business, keeping it broad like that, because it involves all aspects of it from the human, the technology, finance, all the fun parts about running a business. We also provide outsourced intake services 
so that if a law firm does not want to employ uh, intake specialists internally, that is something that we provide a service for and have We've also developed some on-demand courses, and that's going to be, it's been a focus for intake historically, but 2022, we're going to ramp up uh, courses in a whole bunch of different subject matter areas as well. And cool. we got into it because the there's a need there. You know, law firm owners are struggling, like any business owner, try, struggling figuring out how do you take your business to the next level. It became incredibly important during the pandemic. I spent, you know, we all spend time on Zoom now and I had beforehand, but my role with law firms has been not only just, you know, helping strategize and, and execute, but, you know, interestingly, kind of a therapist is way too strong of a word. But with the pandemic and all the crazy shit, are we allowed to do we have an E on this episode? Sorry. No, we're, we're, we're good. Okay. We'll, we can we'll talk about it. ships all we want. Ships, crazy ships that occurred during the pandemic. And, you know, it just, it's, you know, a lot of personal things, you know, fly around with running a firm as well. Yeah. So, and, and like your career up to founding modern law practice, I mean, you've been involved in the intersection of technology and law um, throughout, like your your bio obviously speaks to that, but but like you, you seem to have a passion for finding things that make the practice of law more efficient and, and and empowering the law firm owners to really, like you said, take that next step up. Yeah, for sure. And what's been interesting about it, and I think kind of honing it in, especially over the past few years, is that you know if we were having this conversation maybe two years ago or three years ago, even pre kind of pandemic, a lot of our future conversations of what are going to make law firms amazing had this element of like, you know, when are robot lawyers going to be a thing and AI and machine learning and like all these kind of futuristic feeling type concepts. But as we keep dialing it in, the best resources for firms are the most practical at this point. So it's not what is what technology, you know, what is the most amazing technology out there. It's more now about like using what you've got because the tech in general has become so much user friendly and it's, you can, in most of the platforms, if we think about even like case management software or software that is similar to case management software, CRMs that maybe not, you know, maybe industry agnostic, they're really all in a place now where if you use what's in front of you, you're going to be successful with it. But it's recognizing yep. that is a, a big, big hurdle for a lot of firms. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they, yeah, like you said, there's so many tools out there now, whether legal specific or not, that can be uh, that can be useful. All right. One of the topics that I wanted to chat with you about, I mean, you're you're conversing in a lot of different topics, but one of the ones I wanted to to hit on is kind of this this buzz that I've been hearing and I think you've been hearing about the regulatory changes around law firms, particularly non-lawyer ownership of law firms. Um, uh, so, you know, something has happened in Arizona, something is happening in other, so it's already happened in DC. What do, what do you see happening there? What What is the impact that you've seen already and where do you see this going? So Arizona effective... I think it was January 1, 2021, so a little over a year ago, 
they enacted regulatory changes getting rid of uh, Rule 5.4, where you know, so now you can, in Arizona, you can have alternative business structures, so law firms or legal service providing entities that are non-lawyer owned. They also, in Arizona, got rid of fee splitting. And another interesting uh, development in Arizona is that they have legal practitioners, LPs, which are, it's kind of like the triple LT that used to exist in Washington, which are, these are people who did not go to law school, who you know have certain credentials, take a character and fitness, uh, do a character and fitness evaluation, and take effectively you know, a bar exam and get licensed in Arizona. So you can be licensed in certain practice areas. So for example, if you are a person who hasn't gone to law school, but you want to practice family law in Arizona, if you meet the credentials, let's say you're a paralegal and you, I, I don't have all the background memorized on it, but close enough, one would be you go to college and you've been a paralegal for so like certain amount of time. So you have experience to it. You can take an exam and become a licensed practitioner in Arizona. You get a bar number and you can practice family law, except in very limited circumstances. Like you can't handle a divorce where there's like a business that needs to be transferred or a quadro or there's a third, I forget the third category, but you can go to court, which is fascinating. And it's just gone into effect and they're starting to license these folks. So now it's real. And so the the chatter that has been, you know, to date, obviously some people are accepting of it, some people are not, but now it's real. The same with alternative business structures, where I think they've announced 15 ABSs in Arizona. So what we have happening is, you know, the things that we talked about, uh, you know, in the ABA's, their commission on the future of legal services uh, years ago, where you know, there was all this comment, commentary about how it's going to ruin the profession or, right. hey, we talked about this in 2000. We don't need to talk about it for like another 30 years on top of that. Like all this stuff that's been you know, creating commentary and things, now it's real. Right. So what does it mean? One, it's demonstrating that it's going to be a slow process. Yep, there's 15 of these things out there. LegalZoom is included in that. Elevate Services just announced that they were approved. I know there's a bunch of them that are in the bucket of, let's say, like, you know, an accountant and a lawyer get together and now they have a firm. I think the the effects on it will be, you know, we're not going to see massive change for a long time. What I think kind of the coolest parts of it are the pieces that I think are more innocuous where fee splitting is now okay in Arizona. So think about right. that part of it, which is you don't have to pay $6,000 to apply to get you know, an ABS. You can right. just immediately start doing that. So if somebody sends you a case, you, have a, you, know, you do real estate law, and let's say you have some realtors that send you or commercial realtors that send you a bunch of work, you can send them a percentage now right. of what you can set up these deals and they can be mutual or not. I know law firms are building out referral programs where it's, you know, along the lines of, look, if you send us a case or if a client gets referred to the firm from somebody, like the client will get a hundred bucks off their bill if they stay for 90 days and the referring party gets 200 bucks. 
and just things like that where you can just you just make it up and figure out what the market says on it, which is really interesting. So that's just there. That's not something you have to wait for approval or take an exam for. Right. I, I like it sounded like the beginning of a great joke. It's like well, a lawyer and an accountant get sanctioned by the bar and Right, exactly. You know. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of those there. So But so okay, yeah. so it, it's passed some you said 15 15 ABSs. Yep. ABSs have been licensed already. Is this just crazy? Has Arizona just become or re- reverting to its roots as the Wild West? Um, and uh, you know, we're all going to tell stories about shootout at the OK Corral uh, between lawyers and accountants, or is this the beginning of something bigger? Like, what, what do you? Let me ask you. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to warn you about it. So, one about what do you see as far as that's concerned, and also like. What's the, been the impact in Arizona so far? So we have these 15 businesses, but how, how is it really affecting the legal landscape as far as you've been able to see? Uh, I think to answer the first, second question first, how's it impacted so far? Yeah. I think the, I don't think it's clear because it's too early. A lot of, I mean, a lot of these are months old or weeks old and sure. it's going to take time for them to figure out what does it mean? Interestingly, some of the lawyers I've talked to here and other lawyers that have talked to other lawyers, a lot of people don't even know what's happening or they heard about it. And, but I, I don't think most people care. And, you know, it's just, it's there. And like any, like, especially when there have been discussions in Ohio, New York, at the ABA level, California, those that are against it have loud voices. You know, and then it sounds like, well, everybody's against it, or most people aren't, except for the crazy people on the committee. And I just, I think the reality is most people just don't know about it or care. It just doesn't affect them on a day to day basis. Now, if LegalZoom comes in, and I, w- I would think if I'm LegalZoom or Elevate or other non traditional law firms, you're using Arizona as a test ground for it. It's probably not going to affect Arizona that much. It's more getting ready for the next ones. Right. Because, yeah, California's slower, but something's going to happen eventually. Utah's got their sandbox. Right. You know, things are happening there. There are, obvi- there are some states that um, aren't going to move for a long time. But, you know, so then to kind of answer the first question, I don't think it's a Wild West scenario. I think it's... Arizona is just willing to do things quicker than others. Arizona's had certified legal document preparers, I think for a couple of decades, maybe. Right, I don't, right, that may yeah. be completely wrong, but not, it's not new. I looked at a list once, I think it's like 200 CDLPs that exist around Arizona. Now, do they all produce a bunch of legal documents all the time? Probably not, but there's obviously going to be different levels of work they're driving, but there's a bunch of them out there. So I think Arizona is just willing to move faster. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we're going to take a break here in a second. Um, but when we come back, what I just want to ask you about, we're going to need to leave this topic eventually, but uh, what I want to ask you is what the consumers are seeing. So what are they seeing? Are, are the consumers seeing something different? And is that attractive to them? Because because what, what I where I'm coming from with that question is, like this isn't all happening because it's just innovative and cool. This is happening because there's a huge underserved middle um, who haven't had good access to legal services. And in any in a normal marketplace that's not as highly regulated as law, 
other players would have come in to fill that gap. The other players, H&R Block, you know, the, the other players right. would have come in and said, all right, the rich people, they can afford, you know, the top law firms uh, the, all every day. And the people with the least amount of money, we've had some, we've had uh, lots of pro se services. We've had unbundled services. Um, we've got legal, legal, legal services uh, counsel in, in lots of states or legal aid. But then there's like the people in the middle like just have felt underserved legitimately because they are. That's this huge pull. And so what I'm going to ask you after the break is to speak to what are they going to be seeing? Um, But first, a word from the people who make this show possible. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free, and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. And we're back with Chad Burton. He's the co-founder of Modern Law Practice and a uh, longtime visionary uh, on things of law and technology and automation and moving the law forward into the 21st century. I posed a question before the break about, you know, what are looking at, we, we were talking about all of this from the law firm side, what law firms are seeing. I wanted to just address what you see from the consumer side, why this is happening and what they're either seeing or are about to see. So as far as the consumers are concerned, it remains to be seen, right? Not in a, you know, obvious, we're looking to the future, but for example, will fee splitting help law firm or uh, consumers get, you know, better services? Don't know. It's going to be an easier way to transact business between people to make referrals and to make your services known. Is that going to help lower income folks? Probably some. I think the LP, the the licensed legal practitioner, will probably be the most immediate opportunity for helping the middle demographic. But it'll be interesting. You know, from the standpoint of think about we just had this conversation about a week ago with you know, there's a firm that has paralegals that are becoming licensed. Mm-hmm. And one of those paralegals that have become licensed now wants their own caseload. And firms will, so we think about this idea of licensed practitioners. Some lawyers are going to just reject it out of hand and say, screw this concept. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then others will be fine with it and maybe you know outsource some work to, but others are going to hire these folks internally. So then you have part of your legal services offering is, you know, you've got your lawyer rates, you've got your LP rates, you've got your paralegal rates there. So now you have this other kind of lower legal services. So what should happen as a result is 
law firms can offer services at a lower rate that makes sense. So they can, you know, if you had two clients coming in the door and one, you know, had a, a complicated divorce that warranted a lawyer to do it, you do that. You send the, the lesser complicated ones, you know, that don't have businesses involved to the LPs and it should cost less. So you can help more people that maybe right. wouldn't have been a good fit for your firm. The other aspect of it is that you've got LPs who are going to be going out as solo practitioners and they are going to be competing against existing solos and probably more about the people that are coming out of law school and just getting started. And so now you have an interesting dynamic of potential race to the bottom on fees because if you're a new lawyer or a solo competing with LPs, if that becomes an issue, then that should drive costs down. And then the consumers will benefit from it at that point. Yeah. But I mean, you said it's kind of a predicty type show. Yeah, yeah. That seems logical that that would play out, but it also matters like how do LPs fit into the mix? And I think they're going to be just like lawyers coming out of law school, you know, fresh out of the gate. Some are right. going to go work for firms. Some are going to say, I'm going to do this on my own. I think LPs that have experience, you know, 20 plus years or, you know, of experience being a paralegal probably have a chance of being better lawyers than new lawyers coming right out of law school that went to undergrad. Yeah. And for the short term, at least less experienced about standing on their feet in court. Correct. But even that differentiator will fade. Right. Especially a Zoom court, I would think, has a different dynamic too. Because can you figure out how to present yourself on Zoom versus having to go with, you know, into a physical spot could yeah. be help level it out too. Yeah. Cause as we saw with, I am not a cat, some lawyers are having uh, trouble uh, with that they're concept too. There, it still happens like once a week where, and I'm, I was guilty of it yesterday. You know, I had, I was on mute. I was one of those where you had, like, somebody's like, you're on mute. That keeps happening all the time. So nothing's perfect on this stuff. So yeah, yeah it's the, lots uh, of opportunity. I'm going to completely shift gears now. So, I mean, because that we could do like three shows on that topic. Right. And, and maybe we should, but we're going to shift gears for the moment. Um, the other kind of great trend that is out there, it's not just about law firms, but it sure as hell is affecting law firms, has been what's been called the great resignation. Across the United States, um, workers, particularly workers in the, you know, the, the mid to lower earning levels, have been quitting. Um, you know, we've got an unemployment rate supposedly of 3.9% in the country, which is means that people who quit can go land somewhere else. Though so they're not all doing that either. They're getting educated or doing other things. They're opening businesses. That's going at a record pace. But so have you seen any effects of the great resignation on, particularly on small law firms, uh, the, the listeners to this show? Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody's experiencing it regardless of size and and small firms have been the same. And it's the same with hiring too. And trying to figure out, you know, to get people in, especially after the, uh, you know, people have quit or you've, you know, taken the opportunity of the pandemic and beyond to help people move on to jobs that they, you know, may be better suited for. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I'm advising firms on is when we talk about marketing, you're not just marketing to potential clients. Now you have to spend as much effort marketing to potential team members. Yeah. And I just saw this morning on a Facebook group where 
a friend had mentioned that he offered a lawyer, they offered a lawyer job and it was for twice the amount of money he was currently making. And the guy still balked at it. They wanted this guy and he's like, eh, I don't know. They sweetened it and wow. then he accepted it. This guy, wow. like, I can't even, like, it's, and so it started this massive conversation of like, what the hell are we going to do in general? Because like, we have to change the entire way we compensate and think about compensation. You know, it used to be that you think about like giving raises and like, you don't want to go too crazy with, you know, a percentage raise because then you're setting a standard. Well, 25% raises are not unusual to try to keep people around. So everybody's trying to figure out now, like not only how do you get new people in the door, but just doing everything you can to, to kind of keep people around yeah. and really focusing on what matters to them. So that sets up an interesting dynamic because we just got done talking about legal practitioners who are going to be, I guess, come in at a lower hourly rate and possibly, you know, law firms are maybe looking going like, hey, we can pay these people less. Right. And then we've got this other thing where, you know, if lawyers are going to get 25, in your case, more than double their former salary, if there's going to be an escalation in legal wages, that's going to have to drive up the cost eventually to the end right. users, to the clients. Like those two dynamics seem to be another pulling um, where there's going to be like the, the the stratification of law. And but but it seems like there's going to be there's got to be some lawyers are going to get left out of that. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we could add to the mix the concept of, you know, now that remote work is comfortable. I mean, not everybody loves it, but if it's what, you know, people are more likely to hire talent from different parts of the country. Yep. And, you know, it was, you know, two years ago, obviously there's always exceptions. There are people that have been ahead of the curve on this, but now it's not unusual for people to say, okay, I need a, you know, a good paralegal. Let's not worry about, do they have experience in my state? Let's find somebody that has talent in general, go get them and train them up that way right. and keep, let them live, you know, where, you know, they want to work for your firm, but they don't want to move halfway across the country here. They can stay home and, you know, not have to commute into the city like they used to nearby and save money that way. So we have that dynamic too, where you can expand on where you find your talent from. Yeah, which is a real opportunity, which is a great segue um, into what I'm going to ask you after this next break. So the great resignation is posing challenges for law firm retention of, of, of team and of any law firms that are growing to acquiring team. They may not always be able to double people's salaries right away and or give those kinds of raises. So the question I'm going to want to address after the break is, what are some things that law firms can do to staff up during this time where it's really hard to hire regular workers? Um, but first, one more time from the people who pay for us to be here. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free 
Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. All right. We are still talking with Chad Burton. He's the co-founder of Modern Law Practice. And we've been talking about the Great Recession and its impact on small law firms, or really all law firms. And the question that we posited till after the break was... While it's challenging, and a lot of, you know, Chad, you talked to a lot of law firms, I talked to a lot of law firms, and we're both hearing from a lot of folks that it is challenging to get new talent, um, to keep talent, but to keep get new talent um, as well. What can law firms do during this time to keep growing, to keep their growth going while it is hard to necessarily hire regular workers? So, yeah, regular workers is a great phrase, right? So that has the connotation yeah. of, you know, a full-time employee that's going to be in your office or in your firm full-time traditional kind of employment scenario. So what's it non-regular? I think one aspect of it is thinking about outsourcing. I don't know if these are sponsors of your podcast or not, but I'm allowed to mention companies, right? Absolutely. These aren't tied to anything, but the, uh, like, so as a good example, so, you know, law clerk, is a great example for finding contract attorneys. And there's other solutions like this out there going on to Upwork. People are going on to Upwork and finding contractors and paralegals and lawyers that are independent and just on their own. And what it does, and those that are doing that are looking at it from a couple of different angles. Yep, you can find people that are working hours and hours and hours for you, but you can also do it and start thinking about segmenting work based on projects versus a regular worker that's, hey, you work for me, you're just going to do all this stuff. Is right. No, our main thing is, look, I like to go to court and you know, law firm owner says, here's what they want to do. They want to continue going to court. They want to do the you know, client interaction. They don't want to do any drafting. So you go find somebody to do all that. Not unlike a, like a think about like a partner associate type role in right. a traditional firm, but finding somebody to go do it and work on a project basis. So that outsourced model works well there. I know there's a company that actually I'm using with a virtual assistant and law firms use, it's called Get Staffed Up, that they have virtual assistants in South Africa, Argentina, I think Mexico mm -hmm. and a couple other, but um, they're full time for you. Right. And I'm going to maybe butcher this, but I think it's like 1850 a month for a full time person. Right. Which is free. not a regular worker. Right. Yeah. It's free. Exactly. It's effectively free. And, they, and I know law firms that have used that. When I first learned about this, I was talking with a firm that they had brought in a virtual assistant and then she was so good. She's now a paralegal in their firm. They had a team meeting, like their first post-COVID team meeting. They flew her up from oh, Mexico wow. to join the team. Like that's how integral she had you know, yeah, become yeah. as part of this. 
So that doesn't qualify as a regular worker. That's a way of saying like, look, here's a, a solution that somebody's come up with where like that get staffed up said that they get something like 200,000 applications a year. My person in South Africa went through three months of vetting to be able wow. to even be considered for this. And they're dealing with things like quality of equipment, dedication to the, con and she's like, yeah, if you really want to do it, you had to just stick it out. Right now in South Africa, it's summer and they're doing rolling blackouts. So now you have a, they have a power issue. So the companies supplied generators to their virtual assistants, crazy stuff like that. Yeah, but like, yeah. but they've thought through this model. My person works and we meet every day at 10 AM my time and she is quitting for the day. And so we right. have our, you know, our schedules like that, but it's great because I wake up and have all this work that's been done. I assign stuff before I sign off for the day and she gets it when she starts that night. So it's kind of fun. Outstanding. Yeah. 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 But so, so the answer is, yeah, non-traditional work, uh, work both inside the United States and outside the United right. States, either directly or, um, through things like get staffed up through belay through others. Yeah. Um, and just, just so all our listeners know, Chad has no idea, like the sponsors that you just heard, we don't hear that during the show. Chad has no idea no. who our sponsors are. You did hit on one of them. Um, did I really? But, yeah, oh, that's fun. I didn't know. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as we get close to wrapping up, Chad, I just want to, I'm going to ask you just one more question to kind of let's, let's look, look at our looking glass, our, okay. uh, crystal ball, if you will, which is, you know, we've had this huge shift to remote work. It was yep. probably coming, but the legal industry moves slowly and the pandemic just like exploded this trend. So we're all used to it. We all get on Zoom now, and 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 a lot of folks are working remotely. Is that a permanent change for law, um, or uh, is there going to be a snapback? What, what what what's your vision on that? I think it's, and this is not original for me because you know I think it's it's going to end up as a hybrid, is what yeah. it is, and I think we've already done that, where some snapped back because they just are comfortable with it. I work with some firms that during the pandemic decided they're going fully remote and they're not going back. And, and so it's going to be a hybrid and figuring out what is the most beneficial use of office space. For most firms, it's still needed in some way. But, you know, hotel style desks where you're using it, you know, whether you're reserving it or just grabbing the space that's there when you go in, having somebody coordinate internally is to you know, who's going to be in the office on certain days. So I think it's it's going to be remote because obviously things will get normal at some point and we won't have flare-ups of COVID and that kind of you know stuff where more people have shut down again as we're recording this. But I think it's just, it's a, it's a middle ground. It's a lot of progress. Unfortunately, I have, I had a conversation with a big law uh, it was like at a, a baby shower several months ago where it was this a big law attorney. They hadn't gone back in yet to the office, but his position was that within their firm, the partners are thinking that staff should go in and lawyers can remain remote. And I, I had just met this person and I, it was like one of those where I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, how much do I tell him that he sounds like a complete <laughs> it, you know, asshole right now? Because yeah. like it was just so awful. But I 
have to imagine that that's happening elsewhere, but it's all for the wrong reasons. And so hopefully we don't, we will see that stuff. Like it can't fix, you know, forced remote work is not going to fix people. And, you know, the potential loss of life due to a pandemic is not going to cause people to like, you know, wake up one day and be like, we should act differently than we ever have. But I think there's a middle ground that we'll find as a result. Yeah, I think that's that is a good prediction for that. Chad, we are at the end of the show, but there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Would you uh, would you be willing to come back to the show at some point uh, this year? Of course. Absolutely. Because there's a lot more that I do want to hit with you, and I think the listeners are going to want to hear more. But for now, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. So thank you for listening. Our guest today has been Chad Burton. He's the co-founder, as I said, of Modern Law Practice. Chad, in case they don't want to wait for the next show and they want to hear more, more hear more about, you know, you mentioned you do some outsourcing, you do intake for law firms and also classes for them. If they want to learn more about that, learn more about you or just ask you a question, how should folks reach out to you? You can email me at chad at modernlawpractice.com. That's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. Awesome. All right. So chad at modernlawpractice.com. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You betcha. And this is Christopher T. Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest. In fact, I'm going to tease it. Next month, we're going to have Mike Morse. Uh, he is the author of Fireproof um, and the a founder and grower of an immensely successful law firm in the Detroit area. Um, he's going to be a great guest to talk to us about you know, what, how he did that and what, uh, what he's written about in Fireproof. So we'll have him and many more guests over the coming months as, as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app. 